Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Not been a part of lesson one or two, or if you missed one or or two of those, after the class tonight, uh, see me and I'll get a copy for you. Uh, and I would encourage you during the week, well, I go through these notes fairly quick. And so I would encourage you during the week to kind of use it as a devotional, go back over the notes and and refresh yourself with this because it's some uh, we need help in spiritual warfare, don't we? And I do believe that God will God will help us through these uh, classes. We've got one more lesson in the series next Wednesday night, and so I uh, encourage you to come on back out next Wednesday. So just before we get started, I have a short story to bring uh, to you. Uh, Bob was in his usual place in the morning, sitting at the table reading the paper after breakfast, and he came across an article about a beautiful actress that was about to marry a football player who was known primor- primarily for his lack of IQ and obstinance. And so he turns to his wife, Marlene, with a look of a question on his face, and he says, I'll never understand why the biggest jerks get the most attractive wives. And Marlene replies, why, thank you, dear. (laughs) So we're going to continue on with our series and and talk about two more of the pieces of the armor of God, uh, and we'll deal with the last two, uh, the helmet of salvation and uh, the sword of the Spirit next next week. But first of all, number one, we are to put on the sandals of the gospel of peace, or in other words, killer shoes. <laughs> Tell yourself, I've got killer shoes. <clears throat> the Amplified Version gives an expanded and, and, and very accurate translation of Ephesians 6 verse 15. Yes, thank you. Uh, And I'm going to read that for you tonight. And having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness, and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. The sandals of the gospel of peace help us to stand sure-footed in battle. And if there, again, if there was ever a time we needed to be able to stand firm, it's in the day and hour that we're living in. Uh, you know, I, I've been a Christian for a long period of time, and it's just so odd that over the years, uh, you, you see things transpire and happen, uh, and we are living at a time that is very unusual. Everybody knows that. We, we are coming through this uh, pandemic. Uh, we uh, have the question mark of whether or not we'll be involved in World War III. I don't know. I can't remember in my lifetime uh, where, except during, now I'm going to really date myself, during the Bay of Pigs and all of that, but I was so young in those days. You know. 
I was. I was really young. But I do remember that and, and all of that. But we are living in a time uh, of a kind of a question mark of, of what's going to happen uh, in the future. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't need to be fearful or afraid about the times we're living in. We need to be able to stand firm. Say, I'm going to stand firm. <clears throat> now, God's Word gives us specific promises to our feet in reference to spiritual warfare. I was thinking about this. You know, it's not something that we give a whole lot of attention to, uh, our feet in spiritual warfare. I mean, we just don't, you, you, know, you just don't talk about it that much. And we probably should uh, mention it more. The first reference uh, as far as our feet and spiritual warfare or, or feet and spiritual warfare goes all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 3 where we're given the first promise of dominion over the powers of darkness. Genesis 3 verse 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, most of you know this exchange uh, happened between the Lord and the serpent uh, after the serpent had tempted Eve and, and she and Adam had, had fallen in the garden and God was speaking prophetically to the serpent or to the devil about the coming day that Jesus would die, uh, descend into hell, bruise his head, and take the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Tell yourself, I've got the victory <laughs> through Jesus. So much happened when Jesus died and rose again, and one of the most important things that happened uh, was the regaining of the dominion that man surrendered in the garden. Throughout the New Testament, it talks about our feet in reference to dominion and authority over the enemy. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 19, uh, talks about the seven, Jesus had sent out 70 disciples to, to preach and to heal the sick. They returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, talking about demonic forces, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. That's a good word right there. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 through 23 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet 
and gave him, talking about Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So, we are part of the body of Christ, right? The church is the body of Jesus Christ, and if all things have been put under his feet, and we are the body of Christ, that means all things are under our feet. Uh, Romans 16, verse 20, talks about our feet again. It says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. You know, that is an amazing statement. I, I really wonder how many of us think about Satan being crushed beneath our feet. You know, we may think about uh, Satan being crushed uh, beneath uh, uh, somebody else's feet, some, some uh, powerhouse for God. We don't always think of ourselves as being that powerhouse for God. But every one of us, as believers in Jesus Christ, have been given authority and dominion, and he, the enemy, is meant to be beneath our feet. The powers of darkness have been put under our feet. Now, I want you to say this with me. I have powerful feet. I thought about having you look at somebody and tell them you have powerful feet, but I thought that could get weird, so I decided not to. Uh, Ephesians 6.15 again says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, at first glance, this can almost seem the, the, the feet or the sandals of the gospel or the shoes, how, whatever you, however you want to word it, uh, can almost seem, when it talks about shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, it almost can seem like <clears throat> a, a passive part of the armor of God. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. But the peace that he's talking about is the peace that we have through Jesus Christ. The good news, the gospel, is the gospel of peace. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. The good news Amen. of peace. So it is anything but passive. The, the shoes that we have, the sandals that we have, are an aggressive weapon against the enemy. Listen, it's our peace through Jesus that messes him up. Did you hear me? It's our peace that messes him up. So the warrior's sandals were anything but passive. I've got a quote from Sparkling Gems from the New Testament, Rick Renner. Uh, I've referred to him a number of times in this series, and, and he's uh, just got some excellent stuff. So I'm gonna, it's fairly lengthy, but just stay with me and read along with me. The shoes of a Roman soldier were vicious weapons. They began at the top of the legs near the knees and extended down to the feet. The portions that covered the knees to the feet were called the greaves. They were made of metal and were uh, specially shaped to wrap around the calves of the soldier's legs. The greaves, the metal that covered the Roman soldier's legs from his knees to the top of his feet, 
were designed to protect the soldier's calves when he was required to march through rocky and thorny terrain. If he had no protection on his legs, he would have surely been gashed and cut by the environment. Thus, the greaves gave the soldier protection so he could keep walking, regardless of the obstacles he encountered. So we can keep on walking, regardless of the obstacles. The metal barriers also gave him defensive protection in those moments when an adversary kicked him in the shins, trying to break his legs. Because the soldier's calves were covered with these greaves, his legs could not be broken. The enemy's attacks were in vain. The shoe itself was made of heavy pieces of leather or metal tied together with leather straps that were intermingled with bits of metal. The bottoms were manufactured of heavy leather and pieces of metal. The, uh, yes, the bottom of the shoes were fixed with sharp, dangerous, protruding spikes. These were probably the first cleats. So they were intended to hold him in place in battle. His opponent might try to push him around, <clears throat> but the spikes on the bottom of his shoes helped keep him in place, making the soldier virtually immovable. I thought that was worth putting in. The gospel of peace keeps us sure-footed <clears throat> when the devil tries to push us around. And how many of you know tonight the devil tries to push us around? John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let, your, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus' peace is what keeps us grounded and settled. Uh, one of the ways the enemy tries to push us around is through Fear. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so uh, one of the, the great assaults against our life comes through fear. Uh, the fear of what other people think of us. Uh, fear of lack or need or, or uh, our financial uh, stability, whether that's going to be, whether we are going to be stable financially and be able to have enough to live on. Uh, the fear of what's going to happen in the future, of what would happen if some crazy punches the wrong button somewhere, you know, and, and all of these things. Uh, There's so many areas where we are assaulted and attacked uh, with fear, and that is a miserable way to live. <clears throat> we as believers are not meant to live in constant anxiety and fear. Jesus paid too great a price for us to live with, with constant fear and anxiety. And, you know, it's, it's really sometimes we almost think because of what's going on in our lives, what we're subjected to, and what's happening in the world, we, we can almost think, well, how can I not be afraid? How can I not be anxious looking at the things that are happening? Well, Jesus paid the price for us so that even though things were going on around us, happening to us, happening in the world, that you and I could stand firm and not live in fear. Somebody say, I believe that. I 
I want to read John 14, verse 27 again. Jesus' words to us. I believe tonight uh, this one verse uh, is so important to us. And I know to, to a lot of us that came uh, to this class tonight, or if you're looking online, uh, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. You know, Jesus had a lot of peace, didn't he? Remember the story where he's in the boat and the waves are coming in and he's asleep? I don't know how all that happened. That he slept. I think he must have been just completely exhausted uh, from all the ministry he was doing. Waves were coming in and the disciples were freaked out. And they said, don't you care? We're going to die. And he was in the boat with them. I think he did care, don't you? But he was sleeping in the midst of the storm. How did he do that? He did that because he had peace. Amen. He was the prince of peace. He says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Uh, the world does offer peace. The, the peace that I had, almost the only peace that I had before I gave my life to Christ in my teen years came through a can of beer, cans of beer, a bottle, or a joint. That's how I, that's how I got my peace. It's, it's terrible. That's not, uh, that's not exaggeration. That's how I could feel relieved, you know, or relaxed. And, and so that's, it's a terrible way to live. And we, we need not. And so Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We must learn to take a stand through his peace. <clears throat> and so we have to stand in it. Uh, it's going to be, our peace is going to be challenged. When we feel anxious or afraid, we have to stand against it. And I've learned this in my life over the years, and still to this day, it's not like a one-time stand. It's something that we have to continually do because Satan constantly is trying to bring fear and anxiety to knock us off balance. And so we have to take a stand. And I, I've kind of just given give an example of that. When we feel anxious or afraid, we need to say, hey, wait a minute, devil. I refuse to live in fear. Amen. I rebuke the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. Did I leave that in your notes, this example? Good. I, I was hoping I did. I edit my notes to give to you, but I left that in. I'm glad. So we have to take a stand. We take a stand. Uh, I was reminded of Nancy Sinatra's song, These Boots Are Made for Walking. That's just what the, I'm not going to sing it. Uh, what they do, <clears throat> one of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. That's the stance we need to take against the forces of darkness and against fear. And that is that we're not going to be shaken. We're not going to live in fear. We take a stand. First of all, we take a stand. Then we thank Jesus for the uh, promise of peace that he's given us. Jesus, thank you for giving me your peace. I won't let the enemy push me around through fear. I will stand with my feet firmly planted with the good news of peace. And somebody say, let it be. Let it be. Romans 16, verse 20 again. God, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Say amen. <clears throat> See, it's the peace of God and our feet being shod with the gospel of peace 
that crushes Satan under our feet. And, and these two things don't seem to go together uh, or don't seem that they would go together, peace and crushing. You know, they just seem uh, like not to go together, peace and crushing. But we are involved in spiritual warfare, aren't we? And the peace of God is a spiritual weapon that is used against the enemy as he constantly tries to steal what we have in Christ. He tries to steal our peace, and we're not going to let him have it, are we? So we take a firm stance with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. One of the greatest blessings and benefits we have is his peace, isn't it? So I know that there are a number of you probably that are dealing with things that have contended or, or uh, assaulted your peace. And I want you to say this with me tonight. I stand firm, I stand firm. through the peace of God. Okay. In addition to our stance, our standing, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace represents spreading the good news to others. So our feet represent movement, don't they? Romans 10, verse 14 and 15 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things? I do want to just say and point out something, and this is not just talking about those ordained to preach. This is talking about anyone who spreads the gospel. And so uh, our sharing Christ with others, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So I want to talk just, a little, just for a bit about how evangelism or reaching others for Christ relates to spiritual warfare. Satan's driving ambition is to destroy lives, right? The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Romans 10.15 talks about the gospel of peace. In Ephesians 6.15, which is what we're talking about, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Romans 10.15, the beautiful feet, spreading good tidings, good things, the gospel of peace. The word preparation that's used in Ephesians 6.15 means a readiness. In Romans 10.15, the reference to beautiful feet doesn't mean what you might think at first. In other words, it's not like, wow, what stunning feet you have. <laughs> the word beautiful, that's, let's see, I, that's why I didn't have you look at somebody and say, well, you have, never mind. The word beautiful used here means at the right time or seasonable. In other words, this is the season, this is the right time to take the gospel to others. It's open season for spreading the good news. And listen, the times that we are living in 
are times where people need to hear about the gospel of peace. If uh, There are so many that are experiencing unrest in their personal lives, unrest in their family, uh, uh, the, the situation with the pandemic and the and, uh, world uh, in chaos as far as uh, the threat of war. Uh, we are here at this time in this place to be able to bring the gospel of peace, good tidings of good things, of glad things, glad tidings of good things. The gospel's good news. That's what it means, good news. And we have good news for people who are anxious and afraid, and that is Jesus is our peace. And we'll give people peace if they'll just give their lives to him, right? So as we spread and share the good news of Christ to others, we are working to destroy the hold that Satan has on them. And it's a vital part of spiritual warfare. Okay, now we're going to talk for a bit about the shield of faith. In Ephesians 6 and verse 16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This could literally read, over and above all, take the shield of faith. It's the shield of faith that has us covered. Rick Renner again says that the word shield is the Greek word thurios. Thurios. Say that. Thurios. Thank you. Easy for you to say. Which was used by the Greeks and Romans to depict an oblong door that was wide in width and long in length. The reason the Roman soldiers used this word to describe their battle shields was that the shields were door-shaped. They were wide in width and long in length, just like the door of a house. Because it was wide and long, this shield completely covered the Roman soldier. And so... The shield of faith isn't like that, you know, small little round thing that you see sometimes in the old gladiator movies and and stuff. The shield of faith is our first line of defense. It was large enough for the soldier to crouch under and to protect from every arrow that was launched against them. And so again, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, he says, taking the shield of faith. In our first lesson, we talked about how the full armor of God and through taking and having and putting on the whole armor of God will be able to overcome every attack of the enemy. That's what Ephesians 6 tells us, that if we take the whole armor of God will be able to stand against every assault of the enemy. That's a good word. Now, this verse, Ephesians 6.16, reiterates this. And he says, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All of them. We, we are meant to live lives in victory. And I know I've, I mentioned in, the, in that first class that 
I haven't always been successful in spiritual warfare. There have been times where I didn't have all the whole, the whole armor of God on me. There are times where I didn't take and lift up the shield of faith against the, the fiery darts of the wicked one. And because of that, I was attacked and assaulted. And sometimes things went on longer in my life than what they needed to. And so it is so important for us to make a choice and decision to take the whole armor of God and one of the most important parts of the armor of God is the shield of faith. These fiery darts that he's talking about are launched really against our minds. And I gave some examples, you know, that like God isn't really there or he doesn't care, you'll never make it, or, you know, again and again, the, the, whole, the whole statements of, of uh, who we are, what we are, and how we're failures and never will succeed or never get ahead. All of these kind of things are fiery darts that the enemy tries to launch against our mind, these and many more. Our defense against these are the shield of faith. And so, our faith, for one, is our belief in the integrity of God's character and His Word. Amen. Who God is and what He said. <clears throat> and so, here's a statement that, I, uh, that we, I've put in your notes, so that we can state, against these attacks, lifting up the shield of faith, and this is, I believe God is who he says he is, and that he will do what he said he would do. This is a great statement of faith. We need to believe in the integrity of God, that he is who he said he is. He said, I am. <clears throat> when he revealed himself to Moses, Moses said, who are you? God said, I am. Exclamation mark. He is tonight. He is whoever we need him to be. God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he said he'd do. He'll take care of us. He'll meet our needs. He will protect us, uh, and he will help us live a life of victory, right? Okay, then our faith is our belief in who God says we are and what he says we can do. So, God's Word tells us about who He is and what He can do. It also tells us who we are and what we can do. <clears throat> I believe I am who God says I am, and I can do what He says I can do. Amen. We believe that, don't we? As we lift up our faith in Him, it protects us from every assault. Our faith is something that God gave us. It's God-given. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, <clears throat> that everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. <clears throat> so God has given all of us uh, the faith that we need to protect us. The shield of faith has us covered in every situation. Uh, uh, the warrior, when he was, the, the uh, fiery darts were coming, flaming arrows were coming, would get underneath that shield and it would protect him and it would cover him. He could just get underneath it. And so 
I, I wanted to give you an example of how we could lift up the shield of faith. And I'll put some statements here. I believe God loves me, that he has forgiven me, and that he watches over me to protect me. I believe his word is true, that he will always be there for me, to help me in every area of my life. My faith in him has got me covered. Those are good statements of faith. And again, that's why I encourage you during the week to go through these notes. These are statements of faith that help us lift up the shield of faith. Okay, faith is given to us by God, but also must be maintained. <clears throat> the warrior shields required maintenance every day, and I'm quoting Rick Renner again. In the majority of cases... The Roman soldier's shield was composed of multiple layers of thick animal hide that had been tightly woven together. Usually, six layers of animal hide were uh, specially tanned and then woven together so tightly that they became nearly as strong as steel. Because of how it was made, the shield of the Roman soldier was extremely tough and exceptionally durable. However, the Roman soldier's leather shield could become stiff and breakable over a period of time if it wasn't properly taken care of. Therefore, it was necessary for him to know how to take care of it. Each morning, when the soldier was awakened, he would reach for a small vial of oil. After saturating a piece of cloth with oil, he'd begin to rub it, uh, the heavy ointment, into the leather portion of the shield to keep it soft supple, and pliable. Any soldier who neglected this daily application of oil allowed his shield to go without the necessary care uh, was in effect inviting certain death. If not correctly cared for and properly maintained, the leather portion of the shield would harden, crack when under pressure, and finally fall to pieces. So the obvious correlation is, is that we have been given faith by God, but we have to practice it. Amen. We have to put it into operation. Uh, faith isn't just, and believing isn't something that's just automatic. Every single day, we have to practice lifting up the shield of faith that God has given us. It requires our participation, right? Amen. Faith needs to be contended for. Jude, and uh, Jude verse 3, he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, <clears throat> I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And so this is something we have to contend for. It's, uh, it has been given to us by God, but it's something that's going to be challenged every single day. Our faith in God and who He says He is, uh, what He says He can do, who we are in Him, and what He says we can do every single day, that's going to be challenged by the enemy, isn't it? And so we have to lift up and continue to maintain and contend earnestly for the faith. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12 says, 
Fight the good fight of faith. You know, this is, this is something that uh, sometimes we wrestle with because we think, you know, if I, gosh, man, I, don't, I, just, I seem to be in a, a battle and, it's, and it's, uh, my, my faith is being uh, attacked. And sometimes we almost feel like that it, that's not what, the way it should be. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I ought to just be able to, you know, I've had enough, I've seen God do things, I've seen God intervene, but still I find after 47 plus years of serving God that my faith at times is still being attacked. And so what he says is fight, what, that's part of the fight, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we have to, we have to engage our faith. We have to put it into practice. Uh, we, we need to make decisions daily. And when the assault comes against us, we, we have to make a decision. Lift up that shield of faith. God's who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. He's going to meet my needs. He's going to help me. He's going to take me, take care of me. We lift up that shield of faith, right? Okay. Our faith can grow and is something we can build. Somebody say, thank God. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. <clears throat> so our faith can grow. One of the ways that our faith grows is through what I call resistance training. And what that means is when we have fought some battles and seen how God comes through in our lives, it begins to grow our confidence in Him, doesn't it? Uh, the, the stronger in my faith, I, I am stronger in my faith today than I was uh, 47 years ago when I first gave my life to Christ. I, I think I, sh I told you guys and those who were here when I, I preached sometime back not too long ago, when I was a brand new believer, I had a Volkswagen bug that uh, was very unfaithful. It, it, it just kept giving me trouble. And I knew how to work on it and all, but this, this car gave me all kind of fits. And so I had only been a Christian for like a month or so, and I, I had a problem getting it started. got it started. I just lived a, a couple of blocks from the church. And so I drove up to the church, but I was so mad at this stinking car. I got out, I slammed the door, and I hauled off and kicked it like two or three times and put dents in it. I mean, I was really mad. And I didn't think anybody was, but right then when I was kicking it, several people in the church came around. It wasn't, it was during the daytime. I didn't think anybody was going to be, and so, or I would have been on better behavior. But I wasn't cussing. But I was mad, and so I hauled off, kicked it, put several dents in the, in the car, and they came around. I was embarrassed and, and all. And so anyway, over the years, I have had uh, some battles and, and stuff, and I can tell you I'm stronger in my faith now 
than I was then. I haven't arrived. It's not that I'm perfected in my faith, but I am better. I haven't kicked a car in a long time. So I've, I've grown some over the years. And so it comes after fighting and winning some battles and by lifting up the shield of faith. That's resistance training. And so if, you're, if you've been under assault, uh, don't let that dishearten you or discourage you. It just simply means you're normal. Tell yourself, I'm normal. <clears throat> uh, and, and the enemy is uh, against us, but we have been given shield of faith. We can lift it up and say, God, I trust you. I'm believing you, and I make the decision to take a stand, right? Okay, final thought. One of the ways we can build our faith is by praying in the Spirit. In Jude verse 20, <clears throat> it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. One of the great advantages to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues is that it builds our faith up. Before I came in to teach this class tonight, I was praying uh, over in another room, and as I was praying, I prayed in English, and then I prayed also in the Spirit. And, and as I prayed in tongues, I could sense my faith being built up. And so it is one of the great advantages to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and praying in tongues. Praying in tongues bypasses human thinking and prays God's perfect will in the situation. And the scripture reference for that thought is Romans chapter 8, verse 26. We can grow stronger in our faith. Can you say, I believe that? We do that through just practicing that faith and lifting up the shield of faith, taking stands against the enemy, and through praying in the Spirit. helps to build our faith, and, and we need our faith built, don't we? Praise God. All right. I have a prayer and confession. I want you to just uh, say this out with me. And then what I want to do is pray over us before we leave tonight. So if you'll just pray this with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for putting Satan under my feet. I will stand sure-footed through your peace. Anoint me to tell others about the gospel of peace. Thank you for giving me the shield of faith to protect me. I believe you have given me all the faith I need to stand against the attacks of the enemy. I will continue to practice and grow my faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me just pray over us tonight. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. And tonight, Lord, I know that there are those that have come that have circumstances that have uh, possibly made them anxious or fearful. And tonight we take authority and dominion over that spirit of fear. Lord, thank you for giving us
the gospel of peace, allowing us to stand sure-footed. And tonight, I speak peace over every one of our lives or those that are listening online. I speak peace over each and every life in their circumstances. Lord, I thank you and we thank you for the shield of faith and we lift that up against the attacks of the enemy. We make decision and, and make a commitment that when we are assaulted, not to just waver and to falter, but to lift up that shield of faith, what you have said we can be and who we are, who you are, and what you've said you will do. We trust you for that. Thank you for it. We praise you for the armor of God that you've given us in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. God bless you guys. Next week, we'll finish out with this series, and I believe it'll be a blessing. Good night. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.